Welcome to Don't Box Me In, the show that features conversations with people from all walks of life, talking about their extraordinary experiences and inspirational messages. Now, here's your host, Lana Reed. Well, hello, hello, hello. I'm Lana Reed, and welcome back to this week's edition of Don't Box Me In. Now, today's topic is juvenile rheumatoid arthritis, and most people don't know that kids even get arthritis. Um, there are nearly 300,000 children who have been diagnosed with some form of juvenile arthritis in the United States. And overall, juvenile arthritis occurs more frequently in girls than boys. My guest today, Kat Elton, is an author, occupational therapist, and someone who has lived with juvenile rheumatoid arthritis since the age of two. Her two books, A Resilient Life, Learning to Thrive, Not Just Survive with Rheumatoid Arthritis, and True Health, The Inside Job, pave the way for readers to move into health regardless of their circumstances. Kat is a personal demonstration that illness and pain create a fierce desire to be healthy, and this desire can move mountains one step at a time. That's just the kind of inspirational message we like here at Don't Box Me In. I thank Kat for hanging out with me today. And welcome her to the show. Kat, welcome to Don't Box Me In. Hi. It's so great to be here today. Like And thanks for that wonderful introduction. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, I try to kind of get prepared for my show and research you sure stuff. Do. And, you know, yeah. um, and uh, one of the things we're going to get into talk about later, but I was kind of uh, curious in my research that there's not really a lot of stuff out there, but I, I want to talk about that later. And, and that mm-hmm. kind of was what brought to the, my attention here, like, um, first of all, the fact that when you think arthritis, you really think, you know, like your grandmother or whatever. But in your case, you were two years old and you really don't even fathom that a child could be um, diagnosed with something like arthritis. So, I, I mean, what what let's start at the beginning here. So mm-hmm. what even was going on at the age of two that your parents, <laughs> your parents said, you know, you know, maybe we should take the little girl to the doctor and see. Yeah, what- <laughs> that's a really good question. So. I have two older siblings and I was the first one to stand. I was the first one to, you know, I was a maniac on the playground. I've seen videos of myself. And then at the age of two and a half, we go to the playground and I would cry and I couldn't open the refrigerator door and I, I, I didn't want to play. So my mom took me to the doctor and we lived near New York City. I was, in a way, I was really lucky because there was a really great juvenile arthritis doctor in New York City and we t- they tested, did a bunch of tests on me, and very quickly found out what that was. Like you said, it's not a very common illness, especially in children, but it's out there, and um, it's <clears throat> when it happens to a child, it changes obviously changes your life forever. <laughs> and and it's funny you should say that you know it comes to mind that um, you know it's mostly older. Even to this day, I'm in my 40s now, and finally I'm getting to the point where people aren't so shocked that I have arthritis. <laughs> Uh-huh. You know, when I was two, is like they people would say, "Ah, oh, um, you're too young," and I'd say, yes. "I am." You're right. <laughs> <laughs> now, before we before we get going too far, Cat, uh, I want you to explain, if you can, to me to the audience exactly what is um, juvenile, juvenile yeah. Okay, very good question. So it's interesting because when I was diagnosed, it was 1970, 1970. Okay. And, and you had the term juvenile rheumatoid arthritis, and that's how they defined it. And what they meant, what we still mean, is um, basically there's no known cause, and it's a, it's, an, it's a disease that affects your joints, but it's also systemic, meaning it can affect your organs, your eyes, your tissues, different things can happen. And and basically what caught what what happens in the body is the body creates a lot of inflammation. It thinks that there's something out there in the body, I mean, to uh, that it needs to fight off, maybe a, like a virus or a bacteria, maybe getting confused. Mm-hmm. Um, so they call it an autoimmune disease, meaning our immune system basically attacks our own body. And whether there's a, a virus that we haven't found yet that causes it could potentially be there, but right now they think it's a... Like could be uh, environment plus genetics, maybe exposure to something that causes this. Okay. Um, and and with juvenile arthritis now, they call it juvenile idiopathic arthritis instead of rheumatoid because it's it is a different disease from adult onset. And there are different, although it's very similar in what you know. Obviously, the suffering and the pain is very similar, but as far as the things that um, that come up with juvenile arthritis are a little bit different. And one thing I just learned <clears throat> is that 
in juvenile arthritis, you can have these severe changes really quickly. That's always been the case for me. Mm-hmm. I can literally, some days, I'll just sit there and watch my knees starting to grow oh, as wow. the inflammation start is, is happening or during the night or, and or the, the, the opposite can happen in a matter of hours. And that's, that's something that I, happens more with the child's version of this disease. Okay. Now you'd mentioned something about genetics. Is there anybody in your family that has arthritis or, or the, are well, you yeah, the, for, yeah, for many years I was the, I was the only one. Okay. <laughs> Anywhere. Nobody. <laughs> anything. And then, you know, there's my mom did get diagnosed about six years ago with rheumatoid arthritis and she's now in her seventies. So she does have it now. And my brother has a different kind of thing, which is an autoimmune kidney disease. So we have this tendency in our family towards this kind of illness. And, and what they're finding now is a lot of these autoimmune things, um, are, are causing, uh, or parts, or I shouldn't say causing, but um, contributing to things like diabetes and heart disease and cancer and MS. And so this autoimmune classification disease is, is just growing. As we realize, we're learning more and more about the immune system. And as we do, we realize a lot of these things are connected to the immune system. Okay. Wow. Just, yeah. Just a lot of information. So let's, let's go back real quick to the two-year-olds who's in the doctor's office, you know, with their parents, and they say, hey, by the way, your kid has arthritis. <laughs> like, so what does that look like for you? I mean, what, what is the treatment that they set out for a two-year-old with arthritis? Yeah. Well, well, when I was a kid, there wasn't much there. There was aspirin. So I took baby aspirin. I took like 12 baby aspirin every day. I would take, I would, have you ever seen the show House? Yes. <laughs> you know how House walks around with this bottle of Vicodin or whatever it is? Pop yes. Kit? By the time I was like six, I could do that. I could just oh take it. Oh, my goodness. And I ran, I would walk, because I had every four hours I had to take, um, well, it was aspirin. Then I got an ulcer and they changed it to coated aspirin. And if I didn't, I, you know, I became hard to move, you know, it just, it really kept my symptoms at bay. That's what they gave me. Now there's a lot more treatments for, for younger people that, um, that I didn't have the opportunity to, to take. So there, there's a lot more now that we have, uh, a lot more treatments medically and other ways. So the future is a lot brighter. So let me let me imagine the uh, the the picture here. We've got a kid in kindergarten running around on the playground, and every four (laughs) hours she's popping (laughs) popping pills. Is is that how that really was for you day after day? Yeah. Well, actually, in school, I had to go to the nurse's office. (laughs) I wasn't carrying my medication around candy. But yeah, no, it definitely was like that. It definitely was like this. That is so much for a kindergarten. A little a little person to have to go through. Well, you know, it's interesting. I, I always wonder because um, I've never known anything but pain. And, and the hallmark symptoms of arthritis is pain and limitation of movement because the what's causing the pain is all this swelling in your joints, right? So I've had this pain my entire life. A lot of people, you know, who get pain later on and it becomes chronic, you have this memory of not having it. And I would imagine the comparison is really creates a lot of mental angst yes. that I don't necessarily have as much of because I don't that's have that. You know. yeah, that's I just know the pain. So, it, you know, over the years, it's been really challenging, um, obviously, living with pain as a young person where there's like kind of a lack of understanding around you um, as to what that experience is. And it's really challenging. Um, but um, I also feel like from in my particular case, having it from such a young age, um, and this has been my only experience. It, it, I, somehow I think maybe it shielded me from some of that huge, um, negative emotional aspect to, to, to coping with it, you know, in, in the beginning. Because again, I was two. I didn't know. Yeah. I didn't know. So, yeah. That's, that's the way of life. So, um, we, we, we can see that, you know, you have to go to the nurse's office, you know, every few hours to, to take some medication for the pain. I mean, but how else was your day-to-day life affected? Were you like a regular kid out on the playground or, I mean, yeah. you were, I'm, I'm assuming you were in a lot of pain. Yeah. Okay. So here's, here's what it was good, very good questions. Um, so I had a wonderful rheumatologist and um, always grateful to him. And <clears throat> back then, again, we didn't have the understanding about, even, you know, when I was diagnosed, they didn't even know infants felt pain. 
So, you know, these things, they didn't even know that pain management should be part of childhood care. Um, and yes, I had severe pain. And what they would do for me, my mom would get me up early in the morning and she would exercise me in the tub to get my joints moving before school. And <clears throat> I, I was, I was, he told my parents to, to, to treat me like a regular kid. So I, I was out there on the playground. Um, now it, <clears throat> it hurt. And that's where it became, that's where I think, Again, leading up forward into the story as to finally coming to becoming an occupational therapist and writing books around it, this experience of being a kid with all this pain and not really understanding, um, having the tools given to me on how to manage all the aspects of what pain means, uh, I think that it helped me to, to develop these skills for myself. Yeah. Yeah. And then I can you know, this is why I'm here today. So I can help other people. So again, my life back then was just following the doctor's orders, taking my aspirin, having, getting, getting warmed up in the morning as much as I can. And, but what I needed more of was I needed more sleep. I got a lot more tired than kids. I was not one of those kids that would fight going to bed. I put myself to bed. (laughs) So like, I've had enough today. I've had enough. (laughs) Oh yeah. So, that was that's that's really what it was for me. And um, as I learned, as I got older, this is the other interesting thing about being a real child, like a young young child with this enormous pain. You don't have the vocabulary, you don't have the language, you don't have the the language skills. And and our even the um, we're learning how to back. You know, when you're that young, you don't have your brain isn't developed. So. Being able to talk about the emotional aspects, I think that was the real key for me as I got into, you know, a young adult into adult learning and learning how to handle the emotional side of the pain and learning how to express myself around, you know, to the people around me to, to explain what, what I need and why I needed. Mm-hmm. So, and, and because it is hard, it is hard being different. It, I mean, no matter what that difference is. Yes. And, um, so this is, this is where, again, as a child, you have similar experiences, but also different challenges. So for me, I, I went through my life with chronic pain in every, every stage of my life so far. And each stage brings different, different things that are, that are good and different things that are, that are more challenging. Now, you mentioned this was like 1970 when you got diagnosed. So um, I'm wondering as you you grow and evolve and you become a teenager and then when you become an early adult, I'm assuming that uh, medical treatments kind of improved a little. So as time progressed, were there other options out there for you that made it a little bit more bearable? Yeah. Okay. So when I went into college, uh, what I later learned, and I, a lot of these things I learned later, but mm-hmm. stress is a huge thing for me, and I think it is for most people. You know, you, you go through stressors. For me, college, going the first year in college was a big stressor. I moved to a different state and went to a really um, a competitive school, so I was, I was needing, you know, it was all these pressures put on me, and I went into a horrible flare-up, the worst <laughs> I'd ever been in my life. I literally crawled because I didn't, you know, have cell phones back then. I crawled down the hallway of my dorm to call my parents and say I, I was having a hard time because I couldn't walk. So that's when I got on the, you know, some of these new, these other treatments became available to me because I was, I, I, until then my parents weren't very comfortable with me doing some of these stronger things because they suppress your immune system and, and there, there are significant side effects with them. So I was able to do that. And again, that's when I started to learn to manage it a little bit more on my own and make my own decisions with my, with my doctor because I was going without my parents for the first okay. time. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, um, Kat, we're going to take a quick commercial break, but uh, when okay. we come back, I want to talk about these, uh, options that you had. Great. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Here's your host, Lana Reed. 
Hello, welcome back. Don't box in. Like they said, I'm your host, Lana Reed, and today I'm hanging out with Kat Elton. She is the author of the books, the, A Resilient Life and uh, True Health, The Inside Job. And before commercial break, uh, she was telling us about, uh, you know, uh, her college uh, period in life and being exposed to some more treatment options. So now I want to learn, uh, besides the coated Tylenol, what she had, <laughs> she could take now when she was in college. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, so basically, um, I'm going to talk more in generalities because okay. at this point in time, I've been in, I've, I've literally taken most of the arthritis medications okay. because I've had 45 years under my belt. And one thing that, that with, with this particular illness, you don't get on, I mean, it, it's extraordinary if you get on one medicine and, and you just take it for 40 years and it works that whole time. Often and most often you have, um, diff, a, a medication that you take. Uh, I took the aspirin for many years and then I started taking what they call disease modifying drugs and um and those drugs include things like uh, do you want me to name some names of the medications so I'm Paquinil and methotrexate and there are all these different drugs that work um to alter your immune system in some way now here what the interesting thing is because we really don't know what causes rheumatoid arthritis or juvenile arthritis so okay. they they didn't have really targeted um, medications until the past 15 years when they started, uh, when they've developed these new uh, classes of medicines, medicines called biologic drugs. Okay. And you see a lot of advertisements for those on the television and they've changed lives of many people, including myself, um, as far as, uh, because they can target specific aspects of your immune system and they work in different ways. So there are a lot of options for medical treatment, which is great news because, uh, we need all those options mm-hmm. over time. This is a disease that lasts your entire life. And so people have it for 30, 40, 50 years uh, of their life. Um, but I want to tell you when I went to college, medication is one piece of that, pu- of the puzzle of health. For me, I started to expand and learn about some other things and other options. And I think what helped me to be healthy, I can say, you know, wholeheartedly that I'm a very healthy person, even though I have a severe, chronic, disabling, you know, painful disease, I feel like I'm very healthy. And part of that is because I've adopted kind of more of a holistic, um, when I say holistic, I mean I'm, I'm considering all aspects of my life and trying to, trying to create health in every aspect awesome. and not just going to my doctor and saying, what can you do to help me? I'm still in pain. Mm-hmm. And and that, that I think, shifted, and, and that's the shift that I, I hope other people can can make for themselves because here's the deal. The, the true expert um, when it comes to yourself is you. It's True. not the doctor. The doctor is really, you know, your doctor is really um, highly trained, well-paid consultant. So is your physical therapist and, and everyone else that you bring into the fold to help you. Um, but you're the one, you're the, you know, that George Bush said, I'm the decider. Yeah. I like that. I'm the decider. When it comes to my <laughs> body and my life, I'm the decider. Yes. And I'm very grateful that I have all these treatment options. But sometimes... You know, they all come with costs as far as um, the medications and even some of the more alternative things come with costs as well. And it's up to me to decide for myself, is is this worth the, is the benefit worth the cost? And sometimes I don't think it is. And I'm okay to say no to that. Um, good deal, good deal. Yeah. Now, I want to, uh, you said you've been going through this for 45 years now. And, you know, unfortunately, um, whenever it comes to uh illnesses, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of opportunists out there in this world. So I'm yeah. curious, have you ever uh, come across any of the little hocus pocus kind of, yes, you know? Oh yeah. I mean, you once or twice or 500 <laughs> times in my life. You know, it's this funny. Makes- just, yeah. It's hilarious that you should say that. Cause it's like one of my things that I'm, oh, you know, I've written about this in blogs and my books and it's, um, you, you have a target on your back, especially with something arthritis, like arthritis, because you're always in pain. Pain is a really good motivator to help yourself not be in pain, right? So one of the things that I've learned to do is to not be so needy for myself necessarily because you're always in pain. There's like when you're in pain, there's a physiological need. You're, you're working against this physiological need to move away from it or get away from it. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, you, not only are people telling you I've got copper bracelets, I've got apple cider vinegar, I've got saunas, I've got so many things out there. And 
um, when you're feeling vulnerable, when you're feeling like when in the past, I've, this has happened to me many times <laughs> where I'm really like, oh, my gosh, I don't know what next to do. And so I, I, I look outside. I look at what who can help me, who can help me. So I ask, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? And I think, again, this is a this is a natural tendency. We all do this. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's not always hopeful to it. We have to be really discerning. You have to learn to become a little more discerning. Um, because otherwise, A, you get overwhelmed, B, you lose a lot of money and time, investment, and, and C, you, you end up doing things that, you know, we, if you have a disease like arthritis or an autoimmune or a painful thing, you're, you're a sensitive person physio- physically. That's just the way it is. And so, and when I, when I introduce things into my body, I'm always very aware of, you know, I might be upsetting this delicate balance. Oh. Right? Okay. So yes, so yes, definitely I found that to be true. And that's something that I think people should always be aware of. But I want to say there are nuggets. There's nuggets in the noise. Okay. And I found the nuggets. And so I never close off complete. I mean, okay, I don't say never say never. Sometimes I do. <laughs> I just want to take a break. Right? Yeah. But then I open up. I open up slowly and gently and I look around like, okay, I'm ready. But I don't, no longer do I go around asking everybody because everyone's going to have their opinion. Yes. If you ask someone, they're going to tell you, right? Yeah. And they're going to tell you from their experience. And sometimes they're very sure about what their experience is, especially when it comes to a diet that's worked for them. For example, that's a big thing lately with paleo diets out there and different kinds of diets, gluten-free diets that, that some people find takes away joint pain. Hmm. But again, that's wonderful. And I'm so, so happy when that's their experience. But I'm not convinced that they have my disease gotcha. because my disease is a little, it's a very complicated thing and it's not necessarily related to, um, it, diet can influence my disease, but it won't cure it. Okay. Okay. So, so, um, I, I, I want to make sure I mention that, um, I read that in your, your journey here, not only with the, the treatment options that you've tried, you've stumbled across, um, some good doctors and some bad doctors. And I want to sure. make sure that the audience knows when they're, they might possibly be going through this or have a loved one that's going sure. through this. What, what, what differentiates a good doctor from a bad doctor? Yeah. Well, um, a, a, I have a great doctor right now. <laughs> okay. And, and, and the reason why she's great is because A, she's, up to date on on new treatments and you want someone who is going to keep informed because there's always new things out there especially now it's a very exciting time in this field of immunology and and and, and rheumatology number two they listen to you and they answer your phone calls and if they don't if they don't too busy to answer your phone calls they'll the nurse will you know they have a sidekick their nurse or physician's assistant who can do it so they have the help um and, and see, they, they don't ever, if I come, I really, I sometimes I test my doctors. No, so <laughs> one time I had to have hand surgery. I had to have a wrist fused and that's a very serious thing. And I, um, I asked my surgeon, will I be able to t- play tennis afterwards? <laughs> and he could have said no, because really it wouldn't have, it's honestly not the best thing for me to be doing. And I knew it, but I didn't want him to say no, because <laughs> that's not his decision. It's my yes. decision. I wanted him to say yes. So what he ended up doing was kind of look at me and gave him a little sly smile and said, well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. <laughs> and that's what I wanted to hear. Right. Someone who's not going to shut me down if I go to them and say, what do you think about, I read about a gluten-free diet, for example. Yeah. They're not going to scoff. They're not going to, I've had doctors, you know, do those things. Mm-hmm. So the, again, the, now that was the good. The bad doctor, the one that you don't want to, is someone who's going to force things on you or argue with your treatment when, you know, or be dictatorial with you or want you to be very passive because that's not a role of being passive as a patient is not a healthy way to be. Okay. So when a doctor's may, trying to force you into that role, you're not gonna you're not gonna do as well to that person. You're just not. Okay. Now, are you finding that uh, doctors today are kind of like up on their game and all the resources that are out there, or some just more knowledgeable than others when it comes to arthritis in this field? I think the 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 the, um, the latter. I think that that there are people who are more up than in this field. And here's and I want to tell you the challenge right now. Because I've, again, I've been in the system for over 40 years. When I was little, 
my, we called my rheumatologist for everything. Doctors had more time. They don't have the time anymore. And that's just a fact. We have to work with what the, what's happening. It's not ideal, and, and hopefully this will change as we reorganize the healthcare system. But right now, doctors are time crunched. And so even doctors say, what do I have time for in 15 minutes? I have time to prescribe medication. So here's one thing I want to tell people out there who, who have these, like a complex disease. Um, treat your, the doctor is, is not your nutritionist and the doctor is not your physical therapist. Ask your doctor for referrals. If you want more information about how to move your body differently, you know, to, to get better exercises to help you get stronger, ask for a PT referral. Ask for a referral to a nutritionist because the doctor isn't, isn't someone who's trained in those things. They're really good experts on treatments, on surgeries, on innovative treatments, um, medical treatments. But I, I, you can't expect them to do things that they're not trained to do. They're not holistic. They're not Chinese medicine. They don't do acupuncture. I mean, some do, but again, don't hesitate to ask for referrals, but, but, this is up to you to, um, um, you know, sleep issues are, are, are a really big thing with pain. And it, you can talk to your doctor, but ask for to see a, someone who specializes in that in sleep. Because there are, what you're saying, what you're asking, yes, there's a lot more options now. than And doctors have aware, more awareness now of a lot of these other things. But that's not their job necessarily. Their job is to, again, to use their time efficiently with you and to be the gatekeeper for you. Okay. So as a patient, uh, you have to get your, your team together. I mean, that's good yeah. advice. You're going you're gonna to yeah. need your doctor. You're going to need your, your nutritionist. Exactly. You're going to need So awesome, awesome right. tip. Oh, and, and, gonna, and when they, hold on one second. Hold, hold that thought, Kat. We're going to take a quick commercial break right. and we'll come back right, right after that. Good. <laughs> Let's return to Don't Box Me In with your host, Lana Reed. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Today I'm hanging out with the author of the books of Resilient Life and uh, True Health, The Inside Job, Miss Kat Elton. And uh, before we went to commercial, she was giving us some advice, not only I think for people with arthritis, but anybody with any kind of um, medical um, condition going on. But you got to get your medical team together. Don't just depend on your doctor for everything. And I, I had to cut her off, so we're going to continue and pick up right there. Yeah, no, I just uh, basically, <laughs> just to finish that one, was all I wanted to say was that um, – there's a lot of talk around creating with any chronic disease. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of talk around creating your team, but I feel like again, with the, with the way the medical system set up right now, there's not a lot of time. Mm-hmm. So that's where we have to become our own advocates and understand that a team is important. And, and so yes, um, people in the team could be occupational therapists, a physical therapist, a social worker, a nutritionist, your doctor, definitely. Um, and psychologists sometimes. I've been over the years. I've seen psychologists be, to help me to to deal with the chronic pain because there's very it's very complex. It's a it's something called a predicament. I've heard someone said it was this woman Caroline Mace, who's uh, someone who I love to read her stuff, talks about predicaments, which are things that you're not necessarily gonna um, get out of. So you have to just understand how to live with it. And so again, if you're in the, have a chronic illness, you're, you're in a predicament. And that's when, again, instead of being a victim, it's a choice. Every day you make a choice whether, how to, how to live with this. And, um, and you make a choice. Do I want to be a victim or do I want to be someone who, you know, has a spine and, and develops some resilience and courage and work on those things? And that's when, that's when you'll take action for yourself. You have to remember how you're worth it. That's you have right. to remember you're worth it and you and not only that it's uh, you're the one who's who's in charge of your body it's your responsibility to t- to do the best you can on behalf of yourself right that's right for that's, everybody that's and, right yeah and so that's why with that in mind you can move forward and do these things for yourself cool cool now um when you were 30 you mm-hmm. said that um it, it took a turn for the worse yeah. What 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 happened there? 
Well, um, good question. I, uh, as, yeah, I still think about it. No, here's the funny thing is when you have a chronic illness, you're always trying to figure out why to get bad. And sometimes you're never, you drive yourself bonkers. In this case, I kind of do have a train of, chain of events and it happened that I was, had an allergy to do a medicine, went on a steroid medication, revved up my immune system, had a lot of stressors, was moving. I, you know, I was young and I still, at that point in time, I was actually doing really, really well. And I kind of, this is crazy to say, but I was doing so well. I was, I was in my head, I was thinking, I don't think I could deal with, I would remember how bad it was when I was a kid. And I, I thought, I don't think I could be this strong anymore and handle it. And then it got worse. <laughs> so, um, but it was, it was just a chain of events that revved up my immune system and I added stress onto that and added new jobs and new relationships and everything you can do at once. <laughs> Create a life stressor. I did that to myself and, and ended up, um, basically in a position that I, I was working as an OT in a nursing home and, and my physical therapist friend slash coworker said, I think you need this walker to go to the room. And I'm like, heck no, I'm going to walk. Are you kidding me? I'm not going to use a walker. And then I went to my doctor and said, you know, work is getting really hard. And she looked at me like, you're working. She said, you can't be working. You got to stop working. And she, so she, she uh, wrote a note and, and basically I, I stopped working. But at that point in time, that's when I, things started shifting for me as far as, I started getting up on my game on how to help myself, learning things. I was researched. That's when I was just went on the internet and researched everything, said yes to everything that I could could say yes to. And and when you were asking about uh, being a having the t- um, target on the back, that's when I had the biggest target. <laughs> I was like, what can I try? What can I do? And but that's when I finally moved into writing my first book. Because I had all this information and I had learned these things and did it shift? Did it, did it put me into a remission? Did it cure my disease? No. But what it did was it made me healthier and it helped me to not navigate even these really, really hard, hard times when I literally couldn't get out of the bathtub. Mm. I, I couldn't get in a tub because I couldn't get out, you know, so. Mm. It was, it was, I was really, really, I, I would walk on the beach because I was living in California with my dog and every, um, five minutes I'd have to sit down and just stand and I'd wrap my knees up tightly to get, you know, so I could walk basically. Mm-hmm. And so it was a really hard time. But again, that was, that was where your whole show about going through challenges and, and growing and, and becoming better because of those challenges. That was a, horrible horribly hard time for me but it led me to a new direction mm-hmm. and it led me to this direction of writing and speaking and and teaching myself and the people you know the and people around me what i've learned awesome. so. now you know I'm, I'm listening to you talk and and i i just want to know is for you your day-to-day life mm-hmm. um is there a day that you were not in pain or is that all you know yeah, there's never a day I'm not in pain. That's all I know. But um, there are times where, okay, you're going to laugh when I tell you this. But <laughs> I, when I, I took, I was probably in my late 30s when I realized I had chronic pain. I'm serious when I tell you this. Wow. And the reason why is I, I it's so changeable. And I would be in, I would work as an OT and I'd, I'd work with people with pain, bad pain. I'd be like, oh, these poor people in my head. <laughs> and then I like, one day it dawned on me, I'm one of these people. And, there, and it, it's because I just, you accommodate to it so well, um, that uh, there's another woman who blogs and she's in a wheelchair. It's called the Seated View and she's awesome. She's someone who's had arthritis since a little kid too. And, um, and she talks about that, how, how you have pain. For so long, you kind of learn to kind of block out the lower levels of the pain. There are moments, you know, I've, I've scuba dived in my life. And when I'm in the water on the weightless, in this weightless, um, water experience mm-hmm. underneath where I have very little pain and I'm like, wow, this is awesome. Okay. okay. <laughs> so, but yeah, I don't have a full day no, And oh. I, I have it. I mean, I mean, and I guess like you said from the very beginning, because this is something that you've been going through since you were so young, you really have no comparison point sometimes. Yeah. I just, you know, I, you know, like I said, it just seems like that is, that is 
such a burden to bear to like every day there is going to be some pain and you know for you to say no this is not going to get me down I'm going to find some way to overcome and and live this this situation Mm -hmm. the best I can I mean that's just awesome in itself yeah and it's a skill and I can't you know I can't (laughs) say it's like so you have to brush your teeth every day you have to wake up and you have to make that decision that you know if I part of it is just not not like ruminating about it all the time because it is what it is. I mean, it pain. I'm going to tell you the horrible part of pain and then the good part of pain. Do you want me to do that real quick? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So if I'm going to be completely honest, um, pain is torture. Pain is horrible suffering. It just is. If you look at what, what people do to torture each other, yes. your sleeplessness, it's lack of control. It's um, discomfort. It's unpredictability. All these things are aspects of living with chronic pain. So you literally are being tortured and you literally are like physically suffering every day. I'm tired a lot. I have to, I have to have more rest than other people. And that's, that's it. But okay. So switch that. And what is, what is it about pain? Pain is, is like my biggest teacher. Mm-hmm. And really for me, I feel like I've learned to become a, an avid student of my pain and that has switched how I think about it, how I live with it. Cause really what it's taught me, it humbles me every day. I mean, you know, when you can't open a jar, you can't like, I've had a friend be really nice and fill my gas tank and then he put the cap on it. I can't undo it cause he puts <laughs> it on too tight. Right. Oh. So, th- you know, again, these things humble you and you have to ask like some old guy, a 60 year old guy and you're, you know, 30 <laughs> to help you open the, the gas can. But again, you get to laugh. You get to laugh at your foibles. And, and, and that is a good life skill, I think, to carry through. It transfers to everything. I'm, I'm more compassionate. I know I am. Yeah. I have more gratitude. I don't have to have a gratitude journal because literally I'm, I'm th- if I can, if I can take a walk, some days I do and I walk my dog and I'm not in as much pain and I feel like lighter on my feet. I'm just like, thank you, God. I'm like smiling and I look like, you know, it's like Heidi on the hill. People are like, who is this person? But that's the thing. It's like it gives you more joy because in some ways, if you, if you just, if you celebrate these little gifts that you're giving along the way. Cool, cool. You know, and I think, you know, like I said, so many of us overlook these things Mm -hmm. and the fact that your journey, good, bad, you know, has allowed you to experience that. I think that's a beauty that some people never, a level that people never get to in life sometimes, you know. I know. And and I think, again, that is where when you have a a, a chronic illness or a chronic pain experience, um, that's the, that's the, that, again, that's the jewel right there. That's the jewel because you have to, you're forced into it. Like you have no choice in the matter. It's not like, I don't know that I would choose this experience, but (laughs) Especially now, if I could wave my magic wand, I think I've, I think I've learned enough at this point. But. <laughs> Say, we've got yeah, it, okay, I, I get it, it, all right. <laughs> all right, I got it, I really do. But again, it's not necessarily under my control whether the magic wand is going to be waved over my head. I'm, I'm always, I'm going to, even if I lived 105, I'm going to continue to find this magic gear. I know, I'm never going to give up. That's the other, the other little nugget that to pass on for everyone. The whole never, never, never give up that Winston Churchill said in World War II. It's one of my mottos. Like, I, I don't give up. I'm always seeking to, to, you know, find a cure, find a whatever it is. But, um, but in the moment, that's not happening for me. And so again, it's just a matter of, um, fully, fully, um, understanding the experience and, and getting, taking the bad and taking the good along with it and, and acknowledging both. Acknowledging both of them. Cool. Now, um, you mentioned this um, earlier, and I was snooping around on your website, and I want to make sure uh, that I take the time to um, give him a little shout-out because you've got a little celebrity that you mentioned on your website, and uh, this guy called Jasper the Dog, and you mentioned him. <laughs> so who who is he, and how does he relate and play out in your life? So funny. I'm like, who is the celebrity, Jasper? And he <laughs> He's my four-legged pal, and I swear he's more famous than I am. I'm not joking. We went to Arizona for a, a month, and people and we walked the dog every day. People walk walk by. Hey, Jasper. I and in in our town, we walk we walk we live in a small little town, Durango, Colorado, and all the time I I'm like kids ride by. Hi, Jasper. 
So yes, he is a celebrity. He's my dog and I, and he's my sidekick and this guy makes me laugh 50 times a day. Good. So how do you guys meet, meet each other? How do, oh, you know, I, I, uh, this is a diversion, but I dreamed about him a year before I met him. Okay. I seriously, he was in my dream. I had another dog and she was, I thought, a lifetime beautiful dog and she died very young at the age of five. And it took me a while to get Jasper. I dreamed about him a year before he came to my life and, and he came to me through a, a vet who okay. rescued rescue dogs and he was half golden retriever and this little guy, he was not gonna, not be my dog. <laughs> oh, cool, cool. Like I said, you know, I knew I knew he had some importance. I said she took the time yep. to make yep. it a special place on the website. So let me go ahead and mention him. Um, yeah. And you know, sometimes you know, it's it's the four legged creatures that get us through some of the toughest moments in life. It, so you that's know, it. I know. Kudos, it's, to, kudos to Jasper, really. And and here's the thing: I have a, hus- a husband um, who met Jasper, and Jasper is a bit of a um, stubborn guy. <laughs> when they first met, there was some, there was some male, uh, testosterone there, right? <laughs> and now, um, Todd actually has PTSD from, from, uh, um, experience, military experience and, and he and Jasper are bonded like glue. So again, these, these little fuzzy creatures, these, if, if you, if, if anyone out there is, you know, wants a dog or wants a cat, but thinks they can't take care of them or, I have, I can barely walk some days and Jasper's like almost 90 pounds mm-hmm. and we've had a great life. We have oh. a great, great life and he is a great life. So, you know, don't, don't, again, don't let your fear or anxiety around, can I do this? It's, if, if you feel like you want to do it because again, these animals are, are little healers. Little healers that walk. Beautiful, beautiful. All right, Kat, we're going to take the last commercial break of the day, and we'll be right back right after this. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Here's your host, Lana Reed. Like I said, welcome back to Don't Box In, and I am Lana Reed. Uh, today I am with the author of the books, A Resilient Life and True Health, The Inside Job, Miss Kat Elton. And uh, on your website, Kat, you've got uh, this um, four parts to healthy living with chronic disease, and I kind of want to spend some time with that. Um, mm-hmm. the, the first one is moving away from fear. What is that about? Okay, well, um, <laughs> fear is, is, is an epidemic these mm-hmm. days. I think we all, we all are exposed to a lot of fear. And when you have, um, an illness, there's a lot to be afraid about, honestly. <laughs> when you live with pain, like, am I gonna, I'm a, you know, am I gonna be able to do my job? Am I gonna be able to work? Am I gonna be able to take care of myself, my loved ones? So, again, there's a lot of fear that is just, again, it's, this is, these are re- real fears. These are not made up fears. Mm-hmm. So, Working with fear under, you know, is a really important piece to being healthy when you have chronic disease. And instead of trying to push them away and say, I'm not going to be afraid, actually acknowledge them. I think because I think because again, these are real fears. Mm -hmm. And then for me, um, sometimes it helps to go into what's the worst thing that could happen. Mm-hmm. And will I be okay? When I, when I went through that horrible flare up, it lasted years and I've never actually gotten back to where I, you know, where I was before physically, um, from that horrible flare up, uh, in my thirties. And I had to go into that. I didn't have to, but I did I, into that space in my head of what the worst case scenario is. Maybe I can't take care of myself, you know, mm-hmm. and will I be okay? Will I be okay? And I'm someone who's by nature, I'm an athletic person. I it's just so funny. So I love to bike, right? I, I climb, if I didn't have arthritis, I don't know what I'd be doing. I'd be a crazy <laughs> person. Like, I don't know. So, but that's who I am. And it's the idea that I wouldn't be able to, I mean, I can force, even with pain, I can, I can do a lot of these things and I can enjoy them. But, um, if I, you know, sometimes I can't because of my joint limitations and I had to go in my head that worst fear, that worst fear of what if I'm completely crippled? Mm-hmm. And will I be okay? And the answer had to finally become yes, and I had to get there. And then you can, then you can go, then you can go on, and, and you 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 can have you feel again that power inside that whatever you know we all can whatever that feeling is. 
Mm-hmm. Like, okay, I've got it back. Whatever your mojo, you got it back. Yeah, you got to get it you. back. Now I realize this is what I have to deal with. I can yeah. go forward. I'm not in I this you know, constant, like, whatever dilemma. It's awesome, awesome. Exactly. The worst, now, you go there and you get beyond it and you say, okay, if that's it, then that's it. I'm, that's it. Bring it on, right? Bring it on. Bring on for and then that's what I literally did, and it didn't happen that way for me, the, you know, because life never does <laughs> go the way you think <laughs> it's going to go. So, again, you, you go into fear, and you then you back away from it, and then you grow stronger. That's right. Now, part yeah. two is uh, thinking out the box. What was that yeah. about? Um, thinking out the box, you know, I, there's this awesome author for anyone who's interested in remarkable remissions, Mark Ian Barash. She talks about these things he had experience of thyroid cancer and, and got very, very curious about remarkable recovery. And one thing he learned about people who have incurable illnesses like cancer and that have remissions, you know, spontaneous remissions, what are the things that they have in common? One thing is they don't, they're, they're not good patients. <laughs> they're not good patients. They're not going to your doctor and like, okay, you do, do this. Okay, I'll do it. They're mavericks. And in fact, my second book, I have a whole chapter on, how, on being a maverick. Being a maverick is actually healthy. And again, thinking out of the box, you have to think out of the box. You have to think for yourself. Because and I guess that goes back to um, kind of what we were talking about earlier. Like you, you can't just listen to your doctor. You have to kind of put different pieces to your team there. You sure. Have to the yeah. Because, because these, these are very, um, it's like you can't solve world peace very, you know, in one, in, in one sentence or with one thing. You have to, you have to, be creative in your thinking. And for me, again, uh, this is another piece to that is using your strengths. For me, one of my strengths is I'm just a really curious person. I'm very curious and I love to learn. So that's really helped me because I'm always learning about um, potential things that could come from nowhere, not not even in the field of health. And, um, and they really help me. And I'll give you an example. Um, <clears throat> there's a guy named Lawrence Gonzalez who wrote, wrote, writes about survival, extreme survival and how people survive, hor- you know, really, really extreme things. And I've read those book and that helped me to grow my own resilience. And because if you live with a chronic illness or chronic pain, you're a survivor. You're an extreme survivor. <laughs> True. And so, again, learning these skills helped me to be healthier, even though it came from a very, very different different field. It didn't come from a medical field or health field. It came from a guy who writes about surviving, (laughs) you know, surviving in the ice and storms and under the water and in heat. Why would a person with chronic pain be interested? How would that help? So again, it it was thinking out of the box. I I took this book and it was fascinating to me and I applied it to my own life. Okay, cool. Now the next one is um, every effort counts. Yes, every effort counts. And how, again, that's a chapter in one, my second book too. Okay. Because, you know, okay, a little story around that. I once took, I once went on a, a, a date with the match.com date. Okay. <laughs> this guy in Durango, who I later, I just moved to this town. I later found these people in Durango are like uber fit. We call them Durango. <laughs> I don't know where people come from, but they come to Durango and all of a sudden they're like superhuman. So we're climbing up this mountain for on our first meeting. And I'm learning this guy would climb with like famous mountain climbers and everything. And he told me something that really stuck with me. He said, I can be climbing up this mountain and I can run up and down it three times and I'll pass this old, this guy who's maybe 20 years older and he's big, you know, 50 pounds overweight and he's doing just as much as I am. Mm. And he's going a quarter of the, of the distance. And I'm like, Exactly. And that was like, you know, you get these little light bulbs. Wow, light bulb moment. That was a light bulb for me because I, on the surface, I may not accomplish as much as other people, but I know that all my efforts count. My little efforts count. And, and, and when you, when you are, especially in a very fast paced world and say you're like a go getter personality and then all of a sudden you have this limited energy and this pain to this veil that you have to like, cut through to to be that go-getting person you again that's a humbling it's a humbling thing but but you have to remember that effort always counts and it may not be these herculean efforts that you're able to do before but even little efforts they make a difference and again i even think if you look um, not on the physical plane but you go more into the spiritual aspect of life Mm -hmm. I, i really feel like 
whatever you, however you believe, if you believe God or great spirit or, you know, the universe, whatever it is, um, if you believe in any of that, I do feel like there is a huge aspect to, you know, the, you know, you, you, even, even for me getting on this radio show with the intention of, of helping. I want to help everybody in the world, right? Yes. I'm making yes. a little effort and this effort counts. Your effort today counts. Yes. It's your path. And so again, just that little reminder for everybody, it may not look, you know, it may not look like you've done a ton of, oh. of, for yourself, but you do one little thing for, you take a five minute walk. That's that, that helped. <laughs> I mean, you did something there. It may, it may have taken you 30 minutes. Like again, when I was in that really bad flare up, I, I walked for five minutes and I sat down. Yeah. Walked for five minutes, I sat down. Walked for five minutes, I sat down. That kept my muscles. So I didn't have to, you know, rebuild all my muscles once I got stronger. So again, those are, re- those are really, really important. Factors. Every effort counts. And, you know, and Every I think, you know, a lot of us get caught up in, you know, not appreciating our little efforts that count because we're yes. always looking at the next person. Sure. Right. Yeah. So. And everyone does that. Everyone does that. <laughs> and I, again, another little thing that I, that I tell myself and other people is be your own best friend. If I was going to tell people one more thing, one thing, be your own best friend because then your your best friend's gonna recognize that and you <laughs> be like yeah you go you're doing it you go like, yeah, you go yeah. <laughs> like yeah but you ran a marathon I I walked thirty minutes thirty minutes like, yeah but you walked thirty minutes so awesome cat we are at the end of the hour I didn't get to the last one um, but people can go to the website catelton.com to get to that one and that is take responsibility. Um, Real quick before we go, how do people pick up a copy of A Resilient Life or True Health, The Inside Job? All righty. Well, you can go on Amazon.com. Cool beans. And you can also go on my website, uh, catelton.com. Mm-hmm. And right now that's the two places. And and very soon we're going to have an ebook version, which we will be sending to you. Oh, and thank you. Anyone else who wants one can get an ebook version in, in very soon from now. So. Cool, cool. Well, Kat, I have enjoyed you immensely today. You are truly a treasure. treasure. Thank you for hanging out with me. Thank you. Right <laughs> back at you. <laughs> Everybody go visit our website, CatEltonELTON.com. And uh, that is all for this week's show. I'll be back next week at the same time. Until then, remember, when it comes to your dreams, the words can't and won't should never slow you down. There's always space to change and to grow. Don't be boxed in. Live your very best life. I'm your host, Lana Reed, and I'll see you all next week.